Now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Reel Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Reel Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Well, thank you, Mark Larson and Southern California. Welcome to another Sunday edition of Rod Real Radio. I am your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy, and it is our pleasure to be with you for a little while on this Sunday night. Hey, we've got another great show lined up for you tonight, and I know it's going to be worth your listening ear. Let me just tell you what's in store for us. Starting off right out of the gate, Captain Bill Wilkerson, owner and operator of Malahini Sports Fishing out of H&M Landing. He's going to tell us the latest on what's happening off our Southern California coast, especially within three-quarter day range, and I know the Malahini is just out of dry dock, and I think he's going to probably want to brag on that a little bit, too, because she looks beautiful. And then coming up at 6 o'clock, the executive director of the California Sports Fishing League, Mr. Mark Malikatine, he's going to be with us. Hey, there are some things happening in Sacramento that are going to affect your right to fish. We're going to talk a little bit about MLPA's fishing licenses and the rhubarb that is now being stirred up with the California Department of Fish and Wildlife that you may want to know about. And then coming up at about 6.40, the director of the 2016 Yellowtail Derby. Hey, it's it's just a few days from the kickoff date. John Campbell is going to be with us, and we're going to go over all the details you need to know if you are not already signed up to be part of this year's Yellowtail Derby. But before we get to all that, let me introduce to you the co-host of Ron Real Radio. He is a voice of 1-800-BASSBOAT and a pretty darn good fresh and saltwater fisherman in his own right, Mr. Stan Vandenberg. Stan, good evening. Good evening, John. Good evening, everybody. Hey, Another it is fine great. weekend we've had here. Oh, yeah, it's great to have you. You know, uh, normally at this time I also introduce Wendy, but she is fishing a bass tournament in Connecticut. Now, for a gal that says she doesn't know much about freshwater fishing, Stan, she's fishing more tournaments than me, and I think she's trying to equal you. Well, you know, she's uh, when she first got involved with the tournaments, you know, I was encouraging her to, to go try, to be an amateur, sit in the back of the boat and go. And then she kind of got a, the hang of it pretty quick, and then she's going, I'm going to buy a boat, I'm going to do it myself. It didn't take her long <laughs> to get the bug. And she's good at fishing, so, you know, it's not like she's a, a stranger to this. And she can pretty much, she understands the saltwater side. She and her her, uh, her man, Merritt, there. I mean, Merritt's got all the knowledge in the world of the saltwater between 
the two of them, they, they, they're pretty much unstoppable, and Anna doesn't just fishing with her. She goes more places, period, than you and I go. <laughs> well, you, Stan, even though Wendy's uh, three time zones away from us, she is going to be with us at 6 p.m. when we have uh, uh, Marco Malikatine uh, on with us uh, because Perfect. we'll be talking about some of the MLP issues, and she wanted to be part of that discussion. So look forward to hearing from Wendy at 6 p.m. You bet. I want to find out how she did. Yeah. Hey, let's get to our first guest, though. He is the owner operator of Malahini Sports Fishing out of H&M Landing, Captain Bill Wilkerson. Captain Bill, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Good afternoon. Or actually, I should say good evening. How are you this evening? Hey, we are doing <laughs> good. good. Hey, Bill, you know, we, we, we're talking about some great fishing off our coast right now, but I know, if anything, the boat was uh, in the yard for a, uh, a little bit of time, and you've got to be happier than a pig with its feet in the trough to be back in the water. Well, yeah, we are. You know, we are most definitely. put a lot of uh, time, money, and energy into uh, doing what we did. We stiffened her up uh, by adding longitudinals, and uh, we did some, you know, some hole work as well. Uh, new transducer, new fish, uh, not fish finder, new sound sound uh, depth finder, and uh, upgraded a sonar. And we're pretty happy with the results so far. Boy, you got to be, Bill. Uh, last year was a phenomenal season for you on the Malahini when it came to finding fish. You're not going to give those fish a chance at all to get away this year. Well, that's the plan. I think the only people are getting away. It's the, only, the only thing that's getting away is people because of all the storms. You know, we can't get any consistent fishing right now because of the weather patterns and stuff like that. That's pretty typical from what I understand from uh, a uh, El Nino-type year. And then, you know, the year we had last year and the weather is just wreaking havoc with us so far this year. Well, Bill, I have to think, though, that we have gotten a little spoiled. I mean, when we start t- talking about catching a bluefin tuna uh, at the end of March and being able to chase them uh, in April and the yellowtail bite that we've had, uh, uh, the fact that we have some weather still coming in because of El Nino, yeah, it's it's causing a pause in the action, but the fish are out there. We're, you're just waiting, I guess, for the good weather to go out there and get them. Well, you know, not, not even necessarily good weather, just some weather where it's not, you know, uh, wind's not blowing 20, 20 to 30 knots, 11-foot uh, seas at 8 seconds, things like that. You know, like give us like a 6-foot sea with 10 to 15, to, you know, 10 to 15 knots of breeze at, you know, 14, 18 seconds. That's, that's that is definitely fishable. Well, not only that, you can, you can have every on the everyone on the boat yo-yoing with like that, and so more of a chance to catch fish. It's been it's been it's been it's been a good year so far. You know, I mean, uh, I see things coming together somewhat like they did last year. I believe most of the fish that uh, the three quarter day fleet is going to catch are, are going to catch this year are going to be in along the beach. Well. Bill, tell us, uh, with the boat going out when it finally goes out, what recommendations are you making to the fishermen on the type of gear they should be bringing aboard with them? Uh, you know, that's really hard to say because this last week, the days that we did get off the dock, like the uh, 18th and 19th of April, uh, we had, you know, pretty decent fishing for the amount of people we had. You know, we 
on the 18th, we had 16 anglers. They combined for 15 yellowtail for their day, you know, and it was a mixture of yo-yo and surface iron. I think there were two bait fish caught that day as well. The next day on the 19th, we only ran with eight people. We had 18 yellowtail, you know, combination of both surface and uh, yo-yo iron and bait. So, you know, you find the right school that wants to respond to the bait, and then you, you can pick them off. Was there any particular color that they preferred on the iron for either the surface or the yo-yo? You know, that's, I want to say yeah, and then I want to say no, because I'm, <laughs> I'm telling people that, you know, I don't, I don't believe color really matters. But, but it's how the, the jig of that action in the water. And then, you know, I have people that are sitting there, and me included. I'll sit there. And w- I went out fishing, what, I think three weeks ago. Uh, we were all yo-yo ironing. I'm using a, a blue and white and a scrambled egg, and I'm not getting bit. The minute I tie on a red crab, guess what? I got six <laughs> fish on the boat. I'm like, what the heck's up with this? <laughs> so, you know, I mean, <laughs> you say one thing and something else happens, so I just kind of leave it alone. Uh, I would say uh, if, with the fishing that, that we've been doing here with the yo-yo fish uh, this time of year, I'd say the red crab has been working the best. Uh, the scrambled egg, the blue and white, they have, they catch fish, but the red crab has been phenomenal. I mean, hands down. All right. As far well, as surface see, iron, good good information because the first thing, you know, I don't have the red crab, and I've been looking at it in the stores, but I haven't put one in the box yet. But but uh, if I'm going to go, I tell the guys, you know, use the standard stuff because that's what always works. And now you got to add one to it. Do you, you know, want to hear something funny? I'm ready. I had a buddy of mine. I had a buddy of mine that went to the Fred Hall show in Long Beach and the one in Del Mar and bought every single red crab uh, yo-yo he could find. <laughs> we, I was we, like, what would you do that for? <laughs> he said, because I didn't want to run out. I we, started laughing. We had uh, one cool tuna make up, uh, I think we brought 24 red crab to to Del Mar, and uh, we ran out of them uh, uh, during the middle of the show. It, uh, oh, yeah. you know, everyone wanted that color. It's, it's kind of amazing. Uh-huh. Hey, if your people, if your people get the opportunity, they need to get onto the, uh, the Malahini Facebook page. And we posted a video and you guys got to check it out. It's pretty dang cool. I think it's pretty dang cool. It's about, you know, your old jigs and stuff that are all beat up and paints come off of them and everything else. You can dress them up really nicely. Uh, well, that's cool. That, it's on the Malahini website. Yeah, uh, uh, Malahini on Facebook. On Malahini Facebook. On Facebook. Facebook. Okay. Facebook. Yeah, uh, you guys now, ought to check that out. It's pretty cool. Now, uh, Bill, with these uh, bluefin that are out there and the reports of uh, uh, you know them being close enough for the three quarter day boats, are are you making a recommendation that the guides gear up for those, or is right now? going after bluefin uh, a little more of uh, by accident than uh, on purpose type of thing? Uh, I'm going to say it's more by accident unless we actually go out and target. You know, we went out and targeted bluefin twice this year, and for our results, we got nil, nothing. Yeah. Uh, There was a boat that went out there and was chasing Benito this last weekend, and uh, the Benito turned into a a bluefin plunker. 
Not really. You know, cool. he wound up with the 11 for his day. It, it is what it is. You go out and target bluefin, they don't want to bite. <laughs> <laughs> well, you it's know, kind of funny. They're broke. <laughs> you know, when when you're you're talking about those numbers too, the thing that they don't tell you is how many fish were hooked up and unfortunately weren't landed because uh, some of those fish are giant fish. You know, the fish, the bluefin fishing that we've been doing is is, is skilled fishing. You know, most of the bluefin that have been caught have been caught on surface plugs. And, you know, I honestly say, I'm going to say your, your average Joe Schmo or your average angler who comes out and fishes once every six months or, you know, once every three months, if he's not proficient with that surface, with that first, with that surface lure, he doesn't stand a chance. You know, I mean, we had people come out and, you know, that, that knew what they're doing. We get three fish out of the day, and two people caught the three fish. Yep. You know, Bill. You know, I, everybody else is standing around watching. It's like, okay, we need to find something else to do. What recommendations uh, recommendations are you making with regards to the uh, the anglers bringing passports with them? Uh, uh, are you uh, telling them on all the trips now, or do you have passport only trips, and then other trips where you stay in U.S. waters, or how are you breaking it down? Passports are required unless told otherwise. Okay. Great. Period. I mean, and that's the easiest way to deal with it. You know, you know everyone that comes fishing has a passport because we fish in Mexico is going to be required. Yeah. You know, if we if we start fishing offshore then we're twelve we'll be fishing twelve miles from Mexico in Mexican waters, a passport is not required. Or if we're fishing U.S., obviously a passport is not required. But we, we're recommending that, you know, if you book a reservation with, with my boat, at the time of booking, ask, us, ask if the passport is required. And If uh, you book online with us, it says automatically at the bottom of the page, passport required. Yeah, I, you guys that don't have your passports or even passport cards, I think you can use that. You're going to be missing a lot of good fishing this year because... You know, more and more people are getting into the program, and it's the uh, law when fishing in Mexican waters right now that uh, U.S. citizens must go down with a passport. And, man, I hate to see you left on the dock when uh, everybody else has their passport and they're going fishing. And, you know, in, in regards to that, Mexico is following suit with the United States in that respect as far as requiring these things. You know, the bluefin limit went to two. In the United States, uh, Mexico had a zero tolerance for bluefin up until, I do believe, January, February of this year when they allowed, just like the United States, two per angler per day. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it is what it is. You know, Bill, it never ceases to amaze me on a three-quarter day uh, uh, boat how the range that you guys cover and your abilities as if the fish are there to get on them. You guys do a great job. You know, I, and honestly, I can't speak for the other boats, but I can speak for my boat. It's a testament to uh, uh, Captain Zayak, who is the main operator now, and then uh, Captain Alex Stockfield, who is our second uh, seat, if you will. They do a phenomenal job in what they do in perfecting their craft. They're very, very fishy people. You know, I, I hate to say it, they they make me they make me envious sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, you guys suck. 
okay, this is good. I'm I'm gonna send you guys home. I'm gonna run the vote. Like, no, no, no. You gotta come out here on the bad days too. Oh no, I don't. But yeah, I mean, it, it it's it's a testament to to the guys that I have running the vote. Oh, uh, for sure. Honest to God. Bill, just uh, one more thing. Uh, if you book to go on the boat and it turns out that there's bad weather, uh, what's the policy you follow with regards to uh, getting back with the people that are booked and uh, and giving them rain checks and everything like that? We've got a real good handle on uh, how we uh, deal with weather and everything else. Uh, we look at several different – we have several – several different information sources that we use to determine if we're going to get off that dock, you know, when, when weather is uh, not stable. And we normally cancel if we're going to cancel the night before. All right. Well, Bill, you know, it's going to be a great season. It's time to start booking now. Man, I'd love to be on the Malahini out there fishing with only uh, eight people. That's got to be uh, a dream trip for sure. Uh, but, uh, how do we book to get on the Malahini and, and stay in contact uh, with you and find out what's happening out there? Well, there's several ways you can do it. You can go to the Malahini Facebook page, get updates on a daily or every other daily, uh, every other day basis telling you what we did and what the uh, next day is going to look like and what we predict is going to happen. Notice I said predict. This is not etched in stone because fishing's fishing, guys. Uh, you can go to the Malahini Facebook page at the top of the page there. You can click on the uh, book now link, or you can call the H&M landing office at H&M landing 619-222-1144. You can go to the H&M landing website and click on the online booking tab there. Bill, all I can say is I wish you a, gr- a great season and we're going to stay in contact with you because things are going to start heating up and you're going to be right on the edge of it, and we'll want to know what's happening. I'm definitely, um, I'm, you know, I, I'm definitely in, encouraged with what I've seen so far this year. Like I said, when we get off the dock, well, you know, I mean, it's people are not sure. Have them make a reservation. You know, we we'll, we have seven people or more. We we slap on running for sure, and we'll get off the dock with ten or eleven, and that's fine. You know, for us, that's pretty much our break-even point. And, you know, we're not losing anything, but we're out there surveying our next day's trip, which is phenomenal. I mean, it's there's nothing like it in the world, guys, getting on the you know, and just uh, uh, it's, relaxing. It's it's a great boat. I was the first – Malahini was the first uh, sport boat out of, that I ever rode on when I was a kid back when my dad took me to San Diego way back then and – and the Malahini was the first boat ride down there. Had a great experience back then, even, and got nothing but smiles every time I talk about it. But I look forward to seeing maybe another good year like we had last year, this year. Um, it, it it's already stacked up to where I think we're going to be fishing long into the you know after even after summer because the warm water still pushed up against us here, and the fish are already moving. So once we get the weather to cooperate. It should be a banner year, it, and I think you know right. you might have to get out the Wahoo gear again. Who knows? <laughs> well, that, you know what? That was that was fun. <laughs> that was a lot of fun last year. <laughs> that was a lot of fun last year. Wahoo, really? Another Wahoo, <laughs> really? Oh wow! We got a Wahoo at the Coronado Islands, guys. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> and I'm hearing that that's the first Wahoo caught at the Coronado Islands almost ever. I yeah. think it was. Well, oh, Bill, let's that's, get out of here. 
that's why we want to keep in touch with you. So we want to know when that bite's going to break. But I've got to say, don't wait to hear about it because by the time you hear about it, you're going to miss the bite. You got to book now and get on those trips. Exactly. exactly. All right. Bill, Captain Bill Wilkinson from the Mahini. Bill, thanks a lot for being with us, and uh, we look forward to keeping track on what you're doing through the course of the season. We appreciate you giving up some of your Sunday to be with us. Guys, it was a pleasure. You guys have a great day, and tell uh, Kathy? Wendy. Wendy. I'm in trouble now. (laughs) Tell Wendy I said good luck, and uh, I was hoping to talk to her today, but I understand she's in Connecticut or something like that. Yep, she's back in Connecticut. Well, knowing her, she's not uh, fishing anymore. She's probably doing a a little serious socializing, but she'll be with us at 6 (laughs) o'clock. Okay. Hey, Bill, thanks a lot again. Keep that PT boat running, buddy. (laughs) I'm going to do my best, guys. Thank you very much. You guys have a great day. You bet. Hey, guys. All right. Bye-bye. we got to take a break right now. Uh, Coming up next, uh, Phil Friedman with What the Heck is Phil Thinking? This is Ron Real Radio on AM 540 or at com. Stay tuned. There's a lot more to come. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect. Finally, a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. 2015 and 16, Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. 
Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your baitcasters. The PTA design has the new PTXA frame. Lighter, stronger, bone-crushing drag. Quantum fishing. We are performance-tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619-466-8355. This segment of Ron Real Radio is brought to you by the makers of the original balloon fishing clip system, Balloon Fisher King. Now you can fish the precise bait depth desired with these easy-to-use clips and 100% biodegradable natural latex balloons. All you do is clip, inflate, bait, and fish. Look for Balloon Fisher King clips and balloons at your local tackle dealers or go to BloomFisherKing.com for further information. It's a big deal. You know, I've always wanted to be on Rod and Reel Radio Line. <laughs> <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> that is just absolutely awesome. In Southern California, welcome back to Rod and Reel Radio. Stan Vandenberg's with us tonight. Wendy Toshahara, she'll be joining us at 6 o'clock. She's in Connecticut fishing in a bass tournament. That is sensational. But now it's time for what the heck is Phil thinking with a voice himself from uh, PFO Outdoors, Mr. Phil Friedman. Phil, how you doing tonight, sir? Doing great, John. It is so good to be with you and Stan, and hope you're doing well. Spent a great day down there at Big Fish Bait and Tackle in Seal Beach, California, promoting the Surf Fishing Showdown coming up on May 7th, and got to meet so many great people. I want to send out a big hug to Terry and Don Cravelo. They're such good people, always helping us when we're doing something in Mexico or here on this side of the border with our military guys, and it was a great afternoon. I've got to tell you, John, I really enjoyed it. Well, you're talking about fishing. How could it not be a good afternoon, Phil? My gosh. <laughs> there, you, there you go. Go ahead. Yeah, tell me about, you know, just quickly, you know, right now we're talking uh, uh, about uh, small craft advisory. It's going to probably be pretty windy along the shoreline. Do you find that uh, uh, the fish are biting despite uh, uh, windy conditions sometimes? Well, you know, I mean, sometimes it gets to the point where it's just too windy machinery the sonars don't work as well it's just tough to find any kind of bird schools eyeball fish it really gets difficult so we are dealing with that but john i I will tell you if you want me to make lemonade out of uh, lemons i'll do it for you (laughs) number one number one um we have seen a great resilience to the water this year in other words in previous years when you have water temperature that may not be so pervasive in terms of the depth of the warm water that we have this year, you know, you get a blow like this and it's done. It's over. No more bluefin, no more albacore, no more yellowfin, whatever it is we're fishing offshore. It's done. It's over with. And it's over with for quite some time. This year is totally different. It is so pervasive, the warm water. We have that warm water bubble off our coast, which is gone now, but still there's so much warm water around. And then you combine that with El Nino, the conditions, which are still affecting us. We're going to move into a La Nina, it appears, later on. But right now, we still have all this warm water. And you get a blow like this, and it just doesn't take long for the fish to come back and bite. And not only that, talking to Buzz Brizendine from the Prowler out of Fisherman's Landing in San Diego early this morning, it's these springtime winds, it's these blows that create edges where the fish pile up and the guys are able to find them that much easier. So, 
it's a win-win deal. I know for the, the short term, it's a bit of a, a problem. You know, this wind is really, really difficult. But, man, I'll tell you, in the long run, and we've got a lot to talk about, and I'll get into it, I think things are looking good. We get through this blow. Somebody turns that big fan off in the sky, and we're going to be just fine. All right. Well, when it comes to, like, your surf fishing event, does uh, the winds affect surf fishing, or are those fish in the surf biting when they're biting? No doubt. I mean, it does. I mean, it's tougher to fish when you've got 15 knots blowing in your face or 20 knots. I've I found a way to combat that a little bit because I get sick and tired of Bob Osborne walking out <laughs> and kicking my butt every day. So the other day he went out and there was no wind and he threw. Uh, uh, he's been hung up on the Castmaster lately, the half ounce to three quarter ounce gold Castmaster, and he went out there and he caught four yellowfin croaker. And I mean we had a dozen people here over to the house who went out there and didn't catch anything. You can ask Don Cravello about that. And so that night, I walked out, and here comes the wind. And I'm like, God darn it. You know, I'm really, seriously, is Osborne going to beat me again? I'm not going to let that happen this time. So I switched over to a one-ounce deception lure. Ahi Promar makes this deception lure. And I can wing that right into the wind, and I can get a great deal of distance with it. And I ended up with four yellowfin croaker. I, you'd, have, you'd have thought right. I won the Stanley Cup. You'd have thought, how, you know. How I'm, big are those fish, Bill? Pardon me? How big are those fish? Well, the ones I caught were not all that big. I'm going to say 12 to 15 inches. Bob, I will give it to him. He had one that was pushing 19 inches. So he had a really, really nice one. But as as things move along, and, and Stan, we're right now we're in this grunion run right now. So you know there's more predators yeah. starting to move onto the beaches. There's leopard sharks. There's all kinds of halibut. There's all kinds of other species that are moving in there. And uh, we're hoping things are really going to get rocking here very, very soon. Hey, let's get back on track here now, Phil. I know you got, you've got you done a lot of work to get some reports. So what's happening out there that we need to know? What makes you think I've done any work, John? Uh, you know, I, <laughs> exactly. You know, Bob Osborne told me you were the second hardest working guy in the business, to, you know, uh, just uh, second to him. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I am. Hey, I want to send out some thanks to John Saxa, who was down there at Big Fish with me, U.S. Army, retired, and uh, he worked his tail off promoting the tournament today. How about 115-pound bluefin tuna on board the Shogun on a day-and-a-half trip? Yeah. A sign of things to come. There's some big BFT around. When you're fishing those bluefin, you want to go with Spectra to fluorocarbon, choose a good hot bait. And you got a really good chance to make things happen. Now, I talked to Buzz, and Buzz Briz and I on the Prowler had only two bluefin tuna on a day-and-a-half trip. Not all that great. And Buzz is the first one to admit that. But he said in the morning they saw a lot of fish, and he is also enthused by the fact that there is so much warm water around that it won't take long for this to rebound and get going. But, John, as you pointed out, small craft advisors, there's gale warnings, actually, outside of there. So, we're going to have to let this blow go through, and then hopefully we'll get back to some good fishing. And I have no doubt, I'm amazed how resilient the water is, how fast it comes roaring back, and I think we're going to see just that. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll give my son Patrick a little bit of a plug, fishing an FLW bass tournament in Clear Lake. He came in fifth place, at least San Jose State came in fifth, fifth place. So they are still alive for the Nationals. And Patrick knows how much I love him, and I'm very, very proud of him. So 
That is great stuff. Way to um, go, Patrick. That's yeah. all I got to say, Mike. We uh, had a buddy of mine that just won the the uh, FLW event up there at Clear Lake myself. So, you know, good job, Patrick. We're gonna have right. to we're gonna have to get you and have Patrick get in contact with uh, Todd Wood because uh, Todd Wood just smoked him up there and uh, Roy Hawk came in second, who's also a good friend of ours. So we might, if he's going to be fishing up there anymore, we might have some good information for him, Phil. Hey, John, that would be great. He's always fishing around for good info, and Dad is mostly a saltwater guy, so it would be great to get that triangle working together no question about that and i thank you so much san diego three quarter day boat out of c4 sport fishing nice springtime score today 117 bonita 34 barracuda 12 yellowtail and that is more typical of a typical type of springtime score that we would see out of the coronado islands although i have to admit we're still in this different world in this whole different aspect of fishing right now with this warm water and we'll just have to see how that plays out. Now, as we get into L.A. Orange County area, boats out there at San Clemente Island really have encountered some tough weather. The El Dorado made it out there today, but he just had a few yellowtails, some bass, and rocks. It's a pretty tough day out there in that neck of the woods. Catalina Island, similar kind of scores for most of the boys out there today. A few yellows, a few bass, a few bonita. Pretty good bonita for fishing for some of the guys. The yellows at Cat have been smallish. I mean, four to six, ten pounds, like that. Every once in a while, you get a bigger fish, but for the most part, they have been small. And while I was sitting down there at Big Fish Bait and Tackle, actually, I was lifting weights and continuing to improve my beautiful physique. No, I was sitting there. I was sitting there in a jumbo jack uh, and uh, watching people come in. But a guy came in from a private boat, and uh, he was at Catalina Island. He tried to get around back, and he said, no way, Phil. There was no way I was going to get back there. So he bounced around to the front and started fishing the kelp line on the front side of Catalina Island and came up with a lot of big calico bass. So he made his day out there in that neck of the woods. Freedom decided to fish out there at Santa Barbara Island, the little island. He had five yellows, tough weather out there in that neck of the woods. And once again, we continue to keep our eyes on the Channel Islands. I talked to Sean Stewart, who in my estimation is one of the finest skippers around. He ran the XL for so many years, but he's lifted and elevated customer service to just such a high level that I have such a deep respect for him. And he had six white sea bass the other day, and he said to me, when we get through this wind, look out. This place is going to go. They're seeing a lot of yellowtail up there. The water's a lot cooler, and probably will be cooler after this wind. So that plays into the white sea bass hand. We're at the full moon still, kind of. And that plays into the white sea bass hand. We just have to get through this blow and this weather, and perhaps they'll come up with some more fish. But he had six white sea bass, and they were nice fish. I mean, 35 pounds, like that kind of grade, really beautiful fish. On red crabs, there's a ton of red crab up there, so that looks really, really good. And the cobra today with two white sea bass and a big halibut. So still some signs of life up there in the Channel Islands. That looks very promising if we can get some good weather. And once again, we've got this surf fishing uh, showdown coming up. And it's really a no-brainer because all the money goes to take U.S. military guys fishing. 20 bucks to get in down there at Big Fish Bait and Tackle. Or you can go to um, pforadio.com slash store and pay your 20 bucks. You get a, a Lucky Craft lure right away. You get lunch in the afternoon. And all those funds, we're going to not even 
take the cost of the Lucky Craft out of the funds or the lunch or anything else. We're going to take that $20 bill and put it to taking more of our U.S. military men and women, those brave men and women who make fishing, who make our daily lives, who make everything we do possible, and we're going to apply it to that. So that'll be May 7th, Big Fish Bait and Tackle. And if anybody needs any more information about it, you can call me at 424-237-0250. It should be a great day and for a great cause. John, you know, you're right. We're dealing with this weather right now. We're going to have to get through that. But very, very promising. 115-pound bluefin on the Shogun. And a lot of great stuff headed in our direction. You know, Phil, uh, uh, people want to get a hold of you. Just what you talk about with us on the radio is just the tip of the iceberg on the information that you get out on your blogs and on Facebook and other things like that. We, we, you know, you even reported on a salmon that was caught off our local water. So if people want to stay in contact with you, find out what the heck is Phil thinking during the middle of the week. How's the best way to stay in contact with you? Thank you, John. And that is a great interview with Tom Banser, not because I did it, because Todd is so great talking about the history of fishing salmon in the Newport Canyon in the 90s and previous to that, and catching a salmon. You can get all of that by going to pforadio.com, and uh, you'll be able to pick up on everything. Go to Facebook, PFO. And for our Spanish-speaking brothers and sisters, you can go to Aventuras a la Libre on Facebook, or go to www.aventurasaladelibre.com and get all the latest in Espanol. All right, Phil, thanks a lot for being with us. Good luck with the surf fishing event. Are you going to be with us next Sunday to report on that? Absolutely. I'll be here. All right. Phil Friedman from Phil Friedman Outdoors, the voice himself. Phil, thanks a lot for being with us and for that great report. John, Stan, and all your listeners, thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Phil. Hey, Stan and I will be back uh, after these messages with the California Inshore Report with Captain James Nelson. Stay tuned. Lots more Ron Real Radio to come. Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics, McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovet reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal tackle store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. 
Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gumkatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gumkatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gumkatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. My Angler H2O. I will scent my lure with pride. And hope my boss doesn't notice the tan. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed sunken boats and outlast the hard-fighting largemouth bass. I will save water at home for better fishing out here and always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. And everybody, welcome back to Rod Real Radio. Stan Vandenberg's with us tonight. And now it's time for the California Inshore Report with a fish icon himself, Captain James Nelson. And, and Captain James, I've got to I want you to start off right because most of the time we're talking about what's happening in our inshore waters, the bays, and immediately offshore. I had a chance to go out with you Thursday, and you were telling me about a freshwater trip that you had to a lake that not a lot of us have a chance to go to. And what was the results of that trip? And welcome to the show, Captain Jim. Well, thanks again for having me, John. And uh, I'm not sure exactly what lake you're talking about. I've been on so many lately. Well, <laughs> t- tell me about the lake you went to after the trip that you took with us. Yeah, you must be talking about Lake Skinner. Yeah. Uh, that's a fun little lake, you know, and it really is. And, uh, you know, whether whether you get up there in the fall, I can tell you, John, it's really fun for the stripers. But whether you're at chasing stripers or, you know, uh, they really stock well on trout on the winter time, or any of the sunfish or bass fishing, I mean, it, it's a fun little lake. And it's one I wish I could get to more often because there's a lot of neat things to learn about the lake. Right. And, you know, I, you know a lot of times... Uh, we we're talking about what's happening in, in our bays and offshore, and a lot of people don't think about you cover uh, a lot of the lakes in Southern California, and you a lot of times will travel pretty far north to uh, take your clients out to the destination of their choice. I I do I I, I do uh, charge extra for those trips, you know, but uh, almost half you nowadays with gas the way it is, but it's really fun, you know, it's fun to get out and and run to Catalina every once in a while or fish the break while they're in Long Beach or go to Skinner or Paris or any of our other neat lakes. I mean, it's just fun to do. All right. Well, hey, let's get down here locally. Uh, I've, I've seen this past week, even though we've had some off and on weather and we've been talking about uh, wind advisories off our coast, that doesn't seem to be keeping you down at all. You're, your clients are going out and catching fish. Yeah, you know, it, it just so happened that this week that uh, all my trips were scheduled out of the weather, so we didn't have to worry about those 10-foot swells and hard winds that were blowing coastally because I didn't have any trips out there. I think the one with uh, 
you and Dr. Jim, I think we just started seeing a little bit of wind on our way back, and that was about the last of it. And so I've been out of it. We've been in the bay. We've been on the lake, so we've been not having to worry. Yeah, and uh, what have your clients been asking you to go out for this uh, this past week, Jim? Well, you know, and that's the great thing about being here, too, John, if I may. I mean, it's the fact that, I mean, granted, if you've got a big boat and your your main thing is chasing tuna, you're kind of limited to what you can do. But, you know, having a skiff like mine, and, and for a lot of people I know that do have small boats, I mean, put that thing where, where you can catch fish. Don't worry about, you know, the certain situation, say, if somebody says, oh, well, the yellowtail aren't biting. Well, go in the bay. We've got a lot of good shark and ray activity right now, John. We've got some bonefish and bass activity, a halibut. I mean, there's plenty of things you can catch in the bay. And then, of course, our lakes. John, we're starting to see some really big bluegill move in. So when when you get tired of catching bass, just grab that ultralight, drop a mealworm down. And I'm talking like one-pound bluegill right now are, are showing up. So Ooh. it's that time of year, yeah. Right. Well, not only that, we want to give uh... – uh, kudos to uh, Joe and Mike Israel. They were fishing off Zanuga Jetty last week, and they picked up what appeared to be an uh, an opali that was in excess of three pounds. We've got pictures of it at uh, Rod and Reel Radio. They actually caught it on uh, one of the Western Plastic Red Crab baits, and you know these guys are sportsmen. They took a picture of it. They said, "Gee, that's." That's a pretty nice fish. We don't normally catch them in this species that uh, that large, and and so they immediately released it. And then afterwards, it kind of kept on gnawing on them a little bit, and they decided to search to see what the record was. And the IGFA record for that fish was two pounds one ounces, and they knew that they had a fish of that species that went well <laughs> over three pounds. <laughs> Yeah, so, that's, that's great. Yeah, you, you never know, you know. And Jim, that's what you you say. Even though you know the uh, uh, the opali are for the most part vegetarians, here they hit an artificial lure, and the guys have a world record on, and you don't know it. That was caught right here in our local waters. That's it, exactly. I mean, it's there's just we're really blessed with having such a great fishery. Just a lot of neat things around us that you know, just go fishing. Yeah. That's it. You know, don't worry about chasing that white whale like Captain Ahab. Just don't get what's biting. There's plenty out there. Well, yeah, if they're not, if you if you can't get to where they're, the one species is, go catch something else. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of funny when folks just get so single focused on on one species or another. It's really you're limiting yourself as a fisherman. You really are. You know, I mean, look at how many people think I use a lot. They they either look at freshwater or they look at saltwater, you know, and they some they don't cross over a lot of the time. I can't figure that out because if it's inclement weather and you can't go fishing in the saltwater, there's always freshwater bass fishing or trout fishing or bluegill fishing, like you're talking about. You know, big bluegills coming there, crappies. You, know, you can versatility is out there, but if you're if you're on the ocean and you want to go out, there's so many. You've got so many different species in the bay. You can keep yourself entertained all day just switching. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and that, and again, it's just, it's so fun because we could do that. We really, I mean, you got to think about, we're talking about fishing, of course, but just think about where we live that certain times of the year on any certain day, you can go to the mountains with your boogie board and slide down a small hill of snow. And that same day, be out on the beach riding that boogie board 
<laughs> you're exactly <laughs> correct. I mean, and, and fishing is the same way. You could go, you know, chase something in the mountains, or you could go chase fish in the ocean. You know, and we have and places in between. I'll, just look at what we got with the San Diego River. Just such a beautiful fishery that's, you know, there's so much out there that guys can do. Get shore fish just about any of our lakes. So if you don't have a boat or you can even shore fish the bay. So there's in certain places that you can just, if it's blowing too hard for you to put the boat in the water, go fish the bay. You know, Jim, and I've got to thank you because I can't tell you how many times we have people come in and they are, uh, needless to say, square one when it comes to fishing, either freshwater or saltwater. Uh, granddad wants to come in or dad wants to come in or even mom, and they just want to take the kids fishing, and they don't have the slightest idea when it comes to gear or tackle or anything else like that. And, it, it's you know, coming into the tackle store is almost like coming into the dentist when you haven't been there for 20 years. You just, you know, you're kind of afraid of it because you, you know one way or the other you're going to get stuck. And we we recommend that they go out with you and that they bring the kids with you, and all they do is bring their desire to fish and they go on out with you, they have a heck of a day. They come back, and they are coming back with accolades on the great trip they had with you. And not only that, the time that you spent with each and every one of them, showing them what to do, showing them how to fish, you know, providing the gear, providing the lures, even providing snacks and everything like that, uh, you made a great experience, and you made Mom and Dad look like heroes. Well, you know, I... Drive a boat and take people fishing. What can I say? That's it's it's nice to hear those things, but uh, you know, if I wasn't if I wasn't talking about what we're doing and why we're doing it, I would feel like I'm just not doing my job. All right. Well, Captain Jim, if people want to get a hold of you and watch you drive your boat and go fishing with you, how's the best way to do it? Well, they could always reach me online, John. As you know, as you've stated, they could always. Uh, catch me through any of the tackle shops in town, English Arsenal, of course, being one of them. Uh, you could check it out on, on the website, dfishicon.com, or even Rod and Real Radio. I know you guys got a link there, and I thank you for it. Or the best way, I think, still just call directly, 619-395-0799. All right, Captain James, the Fish Icon, thanks a lot for being with us. Have a successful weekend. We look forward to speaking to you again next Sunday night. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks again for having me. All right. Captain James Nelson, the fish icon. Hey, Stan, just quickly in the, the few moments we had, you and I had fishing experiences this past week that were almost similar. And with the uh, couple of minutes you have, I'm going to let you start off. You tell us about what happened to your fishing experience uh, quickly, and I'll try to relate mine if we can do it. So start off, my friend. Well, last week I, I fished a tournament where – I fished alone against the rest of the guys. My partner wasn't in town. He's down in Cabo. Ended up with 24 pounds and our 21 pounds, 21.44 for the win. Winning weight of the tournament. Problem was, (laughs) I had uh, live well problems, and I ended up with three dead fish. And with that, I came in second and second big fish. The other guys had an eight to, to do that. So knowing full well I had good fish going, I got ready to go this this weekend and went out there and uh, I was ready to catch that 20 pounds all over again and got out there and uh, all my fish decided they heard I was coming I guess and they all moved and I ended up with nine pounds and and uh, a couple or eight 
8.98. So by the time I got out there, uh, all of those fish had moved. I've been catching 20 pounds on a fairly regular basis for the last several months, actually, a couple of months. So, you know, things have changed, and uh, and I, w- I went down in flames, but that's bass fishing. <laughs> well, uh, just to show you that, you know, it's fishing, and fish do move, uh, uh, this last Thursday, I went out with my uh, good friend, Dr. Uh, Jim Harold. It was his birthday. We went on a little birthday trip, and we went to, out to a spot that is normally very good and at times epic. It just never ceases to, uh, to amaze us, the fish that we can get off that thing. So we got on out there. It was picture-perfect conditions. I mean, flat seas, uh, got out there in record time. Uh, we got to our spot. Dr. Jim uh, sent over uh, sent overboard a megabait spoon, his favorite color. Uh, it was a half ounce uh, 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 black and silver. I had tied on a uh, uh, a one ounce uh, crocodile that was black and silver with a little red bead on it. And first thing, boom! Dr. Jim gets uh, gets hooked up, and he's bringing in a fish that it has a lot of weight to it. Has it halfway to the boat, and then all of a sudden, nothing. Reels up his. Uh, is is lying and it sawed off, you know, for two or three uh, inches uh, where it broke. And the only thing we could have thought of, well, it, it either scraped the rocks coming on up, or maybe it was a big halibut that uh, you know buzzed the line. And no sooner was he looking at his line, and wham, I get hit, and I bring it in, and it's a nice three to four pound calico. And we're going, this is going to be the day. Doctor Jim ties on another spoon, sends it on down there again. Wham! Gets smacked again. Brings up the most beautiful sand bass you'd want to see, in excess of five pounds. It was in wow. the mid twenty-inch range, and we're going, yeah, this is going to be our day, buddy. And then after that point, the fishing fell off like a bowling ball off the side of a table. I mean, we scratched for the next five hours. We we did catch some sculpin. We caught a few Johnny bass and. Uh, a vermilion, but it just seemed that as soon as that that last fish was caught, I mean, that was the end of it. We could have just mailed in the results and gone home. So, ladies and gentlemen, you don't know what you know what's going to happen out there. Uh, uh, the fish do move; they have minds of their own, and even though you go out there with the best intention, uh, sometimes they just get the best of us. That's just the way it is, you know. All those bass that I had little blue ribbons tied on, they got they lost the ribbons and I <laughs> couldn't find them again. <laughs> they all ran away. <laughs> I know exactly how that works. So, but that's just part of fishing. I think that's the fun part. Um, you always have transitions in our industry and in the fishing world. You know, you're out there and and uh, the bass come from deep water up into the shallow waters. They spawn. After they spawn, they move out to kind of recoup, and then males, the males take over the, the pattern. Then you have weed growth that comes up. Uh, nature, God, how you want, you want to call it, provides for that small fish as the fly comes up to the bank and has to have some place to hide. You get the weed lines that come up, and that's what's happening right now. Um, the weeds coming into the lake, and then the shad come back up off the bottom, and now you've got shad balls and these balls are of fly that are running around a lake, and you've got to transition what you used to fish, which was crawdad patterns a lot of the time and colors, to shad patterns and different reaction baits, and we just happen to hit the week. I so, understand that. That's hey, the way it works. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the first hour of Ron Real Radio, but stay tuned. There is still another exciting hour of Ron Real Radio to come. Coming up right after this break, Marco Malikitin. He is the executive director of the California Sports Fishing uh, League, and he's going to clue us in on some of the shenanigans happening up in Sacramento and with those people that are supposed to be representing us. Stay tuned. Lots more to come. we got to take a break right now. Stan, Wendy, and I will be back after these messages. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks no matter what you're hauling or towing for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert now get special savings on every f-series truck in stock 150s 250s 350s at el cajon ford we have commercial trucks too including the all-new transit connect finally a commercial van with great mileage helping your business get moving again el cajon ford worth the short drive from anywhere in southern california broadway and east main and el cajon or online anytime anywhere at el H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. My Angler H2O. I will never use that fakey fluorescent pink bait or drag my hula popper through the mud. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed stumps, rocks, and submerged station wagons and outsmart the ravenous river otter. I will save water by taking shorter showers for higher lakes, and I will always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. Quantum Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum, we are performance-tuned. You can get your quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or anglersarsenal in the Mesa at 619-466-8355. Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. And welcome back to the second hour of Rod Real Radio. Stan and I are here and... We want to now welcome the other co-host of Ron Real Radio, calling us from 
parts unknown in Connecticut or wherever she might be. Ms. Wendy Toshahara. Wendy, how you doing, ma'am? I'm doing great, John. I'm in New Jersey now. Okay. You're in New Jersey? <laughs> I am. You know, you just get around, girl. I, we just don't know. John and I were talking about that earlier. I, we never know where you're going to be. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I got to fish Candlewood Lake in Connecticut uh, the last three days. Well, great. And, Wendy, we want to thank you so much for uh, making the effort to give us a call because I know you wanted to be a part of this conversation and be with us for our next guest. He's the executive director of the California Sports Fishing League, Mr. Marco Malikatine. And, Marco, welcome to Ron Real Radio, sir. Well, thank you very much for having me on your show again. It is always great to talk with you. It, it, it seems like a lot of times, though, I wish we could be talking to you about some of the upbeat things that are happening, and and it seems like right now we've, you know, the news that we're getting out of Sacramento and out of the people that are supposed to be representing us, sometimes it seems, uh, what's going on up there? Uh, and I guess we can start off with the, the current news that we have, and Wendy, I'd like you to join in on this too and, and just talk a little bit about it. The... Uh, uh, the Fish and Game Commission, it came time to review the MLPAs that have been in place for the past five years. And, Marco, you were at that meeting, and, and take it away. What happened there? <laughs> well, these are certainly crazy times, and uh, I think it really underscores why it's so important for California anglers to have a voice in the political process. And uh, for the benefit of your listeners, I'm going to provide you a little background. I know Wendy can chime in because she was there on the front lines. But, uh, you know, beginning around 2007, uh, the state of California established these marine protected areas, essentially to protect habitat and ecosystems. And um, over a period of years, over 850 square miles of California's coastline was designated these MPAs. And much of it would be off limits to commercial and recreational fishing. And throughout this entire process, a process that was very controversial, in large part because uh, commercial and recreational anglers were excluded at first, and, uh, there was, uh, and when they were included, uh, there was a lot of disagreements about the science, the size, and the locations uh, of what would essentially become no fishing zones. So um, what we learned at this commission was something that was um, you know, stated back then, that, um, you know, these scientific assessments would be conducted every five years. So essentially, if fish populations returned, so would fishing. And that was a promise that was made back then. And at this April hearing of the California Fishing Fishing Game Commission, we learned that they don't see it that way anymore and that no promises were ever made. I think reaffirming the belief that they never had any intention to keep the promise in the first place. Now, Wendy, you were on the front lines there. Uh, you went through every agonizing moment of those hearings and sat through all uh, the pros and cons and everything like that. What were your re- uh, recollections on if the uh, uh, the closures were uh, went into effect? That what would happen? Uh, what would the state be doing with regards to reviewing them uh, and at what increments? Well, for one, it it was um, it was really tough for us as fishermen because they this was all about closing fisheries, and this was passed through the Clean Water Act, and it had nothing to do with cleaning up the water, with um, 
sewage outfalls or pollution or anything like that or runoff. It was all about closing fishing areas to recreational and commercial fishermen. They always told us that they wouldn't be permanent closures and that we would be assessed in five years. And when they had the Fish and Game Commission meeting, they said that one of, one of the Fish and Game Commissioners said not in his lifetime will he ever reopen the areas to fishing again. Well, and they also stated that they never said that they would reassess in five years. And so uh, I don't know if you've seen any of my emails that I had sent or the flyers that they sent um, regarding the MLPAs. Uh, I actually showed everyone proof that they did say that. And now, because these Fish and Game Commissioners are not fishermen or hunters or outdoorsmen, these are all people that want to close all of our hunting and fishing to the community, now they're saying, oh, well, you know, we're not going to reopen them. And, that, and that's just wrong. That's not what they said. And, uh, uh, Marco, I know you were at this latest meeting. Uh, uh, is that your assessment on, on just what came off and was the attitude of the uh, the commissioners when uh, it came to questioning about uh, uh, reviews and, uh, you know, what scientific data had been uh, collected? No, Wendy's absolutely correct. In fact, it's in writing. I mean, if you look at the 2008 master plan for MPAs, it very explicitly states that these uh, assessments would be conducted every five years. I mean, there, there's no question about it. It, it even what, says it in the 2015 master plan. Not only the draft master plans in 2008, but also in 2015. Yeah, and I think what was really remarkable at that hearing is that the two two commissioners, in fact, just for background purposes, is a five-member commission which regulates anglers, you know, uh, take where, when, how, and what have you. And there are two vacancies, and there are only three commissioners seated. And those three commissioners, you know, took public testimony. And it was very interesting to me, and I think others, that the two commissioners that were just recently appointed, who are not anglers, who are not part of these stakeholder groups, uh, uh, where Wendy, for example, participated, were most adamant that no promise was ever made that a fish, uh, a fish returned, so would fishing. I mean, I just think that's remarkable. I mean, Wendy, if, if anglers were told that back then, why would you or anyone else have participated at these stakeholder meetings? That's right. It, uh... I would not have participated. And we, you know, as the process, you know, we, we, we were open and thought that we were helping and that we could, and we did make a difference. I mean, you should see, you know, Proposal C, what they really wanted to do. And we were able to keep, you know, some stuff open. But, you know, it, it, it was all lies. It was a dog and pony show. And, and I think and now we the have public proof. hearing, um, the, we be- believe that the motivation of postponing these assessments from five and ten years was that the state of California didn't have the money. I mean, they didn't have the money back then. Uh, they hadn't conducted the assessments in a timely fashion, large part because they didn't have the money. And if they didn't have the money today, postponing it for you know, up to another ten years would be a nice way of putting off this issue. Um, but then, you know, hearing from these commissioners and members of the public, largely the environmental community, saying that no such promises ever been made, 
I don't think anyone listening today would have any confidence that five or even ten years from now these assessments will ever be made. Now, what so, way... Marco, yeah, what cool. can we do legally, because it was under all false pretenses. I mean, the new commissioners said that they never said that, but they weren't even there. They probably didn't even read the document. You know, I don't what know can the legal do? question, but one of the things that occurred to me, Wendy, is I think it would be very powerful if a number of the stakeholders from the angling community that were there and participated at these hearings signed a joint letter and sent it to this commission, sent it to the governor, because it's so important, you know, for them to be held accountable for promises made. I mean, anglers are their partners in conservation. We have a vested interest in protecting the environment and being part of this process. Um, but, it's, you know, I think we also believe in fair play, and um, that's not what happened. Well, you yeah. know, Marco, but during this process, um, I had brought up that we, the fishermen were the low-hanging fruit, and they picked the low-hanging fruit. But really, if they were true um, and believed what they were doing was right, instead of closing the MPAs to fishermen, just fishermen only, they should close it, close the 12 miles of the 14 miles of Laguna to everyone. No surfing, no swimming. Then the seals will come back, the animals will come back, the snowy plovers will come back. We should all feel the pain, not just the fishermen. Yeah. True. Well, I, I do think people are feeling the pain beyond anglers because at the end of the day, you know, sports fishing you know, contributes a lot to local economies, right, in terms of outdoor tourism. It generates tax revenue. Um, I, that's why I think it's just really short-sighted for this commission to kick the can down the road. But what did everybody else give up? We were the only ones who gave up anything. What about the sewage outfalls? What about the runoff? What about the pollution? Right. And Wendy, that's what this was all about. They can still draw, drill oil in these MPAs. Is that correct? Right. Or they can uh, store uh, nuclear waste right at uh, the shoreline there at San Onofre. That that's, that doesn't seem to be a problem to them. Uh, Marco, let me ask you, what weight, you know, I mean, does the Fish and Game Commission have when it, is it now going to make recommendations to the uh, California Department of Fish and Game or to the legislature? Or w- what happens with this, uh, uh, you know, this new attitude that the Fish and Game Commission has on the MLPAs, is, uh, is, is, it, is what they say binding, or is there somebody else that it goes to that they are on an advisory capacity that is going to be making a, a decision? Well, that's a good question. Maybe Wendy has some input on that. But my understanding is they voted to, to put this up uh, before the, com- the commission will vote on a final decision in June. And I believe that Fish and Game Commission hearing will be held in Bakersfield, which is obviously very convenient for uh, uh, coastal fishermen. Okay. And so if they vote to extend it, then that, that'll, be, uh, that'll be uh, the, uh, uh, the law of the land. That's correct. Now, here's an interesting kicker, which, um, you know, is uh, characterized. The, the way the system's designed is that any third party can – conduct these assessments using their own financial resources. But trust me, no one's going to step forward and spend millions of dollars of their own So that's, a, that's an interesting point, Marco. So at the Fred Hall show, 
in Long Beach. They had a panel, and um, Craig Schumann was on this panel where you, where the public could ask questions. So they're starting to use citizen science. So I questioned the citizen science, and they said, "Well, they're going to." That's what they're going to use. They're going to use citizen science. And they said, okay, so then that means the people that we know who are fishermen and divers, especially the divers, can we get certified to be, um, to, to do the science or to, you know, to do the diving and to, to collect the data? And he said, yes. So instead of just having Reef Check and Heal the Bay or whoever um, do all the science, the citizen science, we need to get together and we need to get our divers and put in our data. Yeah, yeah. And, and Wendy brings up a good point is that when, you know, uh, this process began uh, many, many years ago, the state of California didn't have the money to develop the framework for these NPAs. So it was all financed by, you know, a private foundation that took money from all sorts of corporate interests. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of a alarming to me at least that if public you know policy is set to look out for the public's interest it's sometimes a little concerning that private interests are driving the process all right hey guys we've got to take a break right now uh you know we've got other topics we're going to discuss what's uh happening with regards to uh veterans fishing license uh, the 365 day license and also some of the st- the new things that are coming out about the California Department of Fish and Wildlife. So, Wendy, can you stay uh, with us? Yes, I can. All right. Hey, we are speaking with uh, Marco Malikatine. Oh, I'm sorry, Marco Malikatine from uh, the executive. He's the executive director of the California Sports Fishing uh, League. We got to take a break right now. Stan, Wendy, Marco, and myself. We'll be back after these messages. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Hey, everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fish at Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization? 
but you just don't know who to contact, then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. Captain Chris Randall from Chief Sports Fishing. And Captain Chris, tell us about what's happening on the Chief now that the tuna season is upon us. It's here and it's time to go on the Chief. For those that are not familiar with the vessel, she's an 85 by 24 deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips ranging from one to five days in length. We're also available for private group charters. The Chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25, twin flat screen TVs with hundreds of movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity, we have twin six ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh, and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to H&M Landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619-222-1144. You can also follow us on Facebook. Facebook and at our webpage at chiefsportfishing.com. Hi, my name is Dennis Green, and I always love to talk about fishing. When I want the real information, I go to Rod and Real Radio. Those guys are who I thought they were. And we do want to welcome you back to Rod and Real Radio. Stan Vandenberg's with us tonight. Wendy Toshara, she's calling in from New Jersey. And we have the executive director of the California Sports Fishing League with us, Mr. Marco Malikatin. And, and Marco, you know, I guess we can uh, beat up MLPAs for a long time, but there are other issues happening. And I just want to briefly um, talk about, uh, just give us a, a quick summary of what's been happening to California fishing licenses with regards to the, the people buying them for the past few years and what fishermen are trying to do to turn that around and, and what's happening in light of that? Sure, absolutely. Well, as you know, the California Sports Fishing League prides itself as serving as the angler's watchdog. So we spend a lot of time making sure bad legislation doesn't move in the, at the state capitol, but we also want to be proactive and support legislators that support anglers. So there are a couple bills that I'd share with uh, your listeners. Is there are two bills that would discount um, fishing licenses for um, California veterans, one's introduced by Senator Michael Morrell of uh, the Rancho Cucamonga area, and the other, um, Assemblyman James Gallagher of the greater Yuba City area in Northern California. And then also one piece of legislation that is very close and dear to many of your listeners is making uh, fishing licenses not only more affordable but of greater value, and that is in California, sports fishing licenses, in particular the annual sport fishing license sales have declined over 55% since 1980. In fact, just last year they declined nearly another 2%. And um, it just doesn't make sense uh, to buy a fishing license that can expire within weeks or months. And so a lot of states have made this transition to a 12-month license. In other words, a license valid a full 12 months from the date of purchase. And so we're really excited about this legislation. Uh, last year it passed the Senate uh, unanimously. The bad news is that uh, a Senate committee gutted that important provision, 
but the State Assembly is looking at reintroducing it. So I hope to have some news for your listeners in the, um, before the end of the year, and we're hopeful that uh, this bill will make it to the governor's desk. Uh, what, what's the argument against it, uh, Marco? Well, uh, the primary opponent, and in fact the only opponent, is the California Department of Fish and Wildlife. Uh, they argue that it will result in declining sales because there's this presumably a gap between the time a person purchases, uh, their, their license expires and when they renew. Our contention is that happens anyway. Secondly is they point to the state of Alabama where it has been so successful, but interesting enough, they don't point to states like Idaho, Arizona, Texas, among others, where it's been very successful. It drives people who purchase the one- or two-day license or one-week license to, to invest in an annual one because they see the greater value. And I think the most troubling thing is, is that while California defends the status quo, the current licensing system, which is very costly and antiquated, other states are doing some remarkable things to market their licenses so that it drives up sales but also more revenue to their state. And, you know, and I, I hear another argument is the California Department of Fish and Wildlife says, well, you know, we don't need that program because we're getting enough funding to fund all the programs that we want to fund anyway so that there, there's no loss in, in services when it comes to what we're doing because of any shortfall in the number of fishing licenses purchased. Yeah. Well, no business would operate that way, but you're absolutely right because what they're doing is as the number of uh, anglers decline, they're raising the prices. Yeah. Uh, so that revenue stays presumably neutral. But the problem that they're going to have, and what we characterize as a death spiral, is that they get federal grants that are based on the number of licenses sold in California. So it's based on this formula. And they get millions of dollars. So as they incrementally, as California faces an incremental decline in licenses, they stand to lose millions of dollars. So it's very short-sighted in terms of long-term revenue strategy. Now, there's some good word when it comes to uh, our veterans that uh, are fishermen here in the state of California. Yeah, the, the two bills that I spoke of passed out of their committees unanimously, uh, but now they go before their uh, appropriations committee, and, and those committees are very, very important. Um, this, those committees can either advance them to the floor or it could prove to be you know, a graveyard for those bills. All right. Now, now just briefly, uh, uh, if you can outline, there's a lot of news coming out of the uh, – California Department of Fish and Wildlife when it comes to the um, uh, the way uh, the employees are perceiving management. And then we're also hearing about some problems that may be occurring with what's happening to some of the funds. Can you briefly outline what that's all about? Yeah, I can make this brief and just hit the top lines. Is the Department of Fish and Wildlife conducted this internal anonymous survey of their employees, like how do you feel about your job and so forth. And what they found is that employees loved their jobs but were frustrated with the current political leadership. In fact, 60% stated that they disagreed or strongly disagreed with the statement, basically, I am confident that CDFW's top leadership is taking us in the right direction. And, and that's very interesting because I think that's the sentiment shared by California anglers. They're not pleased with the current direction. If you look at the California Fish and Game Commission, several of the commissioners recently resigned because they are out of frustration. They were frustrated that they were constantly having to defend hunters and anglers only to lose. So I think there's a lot of, lot of concern about the, the leadership of this department. 
And then the other point that you raised is the Western Outdoor News recently published an opinion piece uh, submitted by um, some employees or the public employee unions stating that allegedly $24 million is missing from a fishery fund. If that's true, it certainly would explain why the, the trout that they stock are getting smaller and fewer. Yeah, and uh, we can see that with the uh, California Department of Fish and Wildlife stockings uh, here in Southern California, as opposed to uh, what they're getting from uh, Mount Lassen and uh, Nebraska and everything else like that, where they're they're taken and and uh, you know these private agencies are going out and they're they're stocking these beautiful trout for the general public in their lakes and uh, the uh, the lakes that are planted by uh, California Department of Fish and Wildlife. Man, they're they're just not catchable fish. Yeah. Well, if you recall, I think it was a couple of years ago now, you know, under Director uh, Chuck Bonham, they changed the name of, of the department from the Department of Fish and Game to the Department of Fish and Wildlife. And I think and, uh, that reflected a real shift in philosophy. You know, an agency that was once dedicated to conservation became dedicated to preservation, which... Yeah, it may very well be a code code for exclusion or denying access to hunters and anglers, and and I think uh, you know over the years now you you see that reflected in public policy, you see that reflected on their spending priorities, and I think a lot of people, whether it's their employees or fish and game commissioners, are frustrated, and they really become tired of the fight and are giving up. You know, and the people that are in te- that are uh, we. We all deal being uh, uh, outdoorsmen ourselves, Stan, Wendy, and, and myself, that we deal with people all the time that are employees of, of the department. And I, I can't state enough on their intentions of wanting to do well and, and make sure that the resources are preserved correctly and to enforce the laws and everything else like that. And this has nothing to do, I think, with... Uh, those people that are in the trenches like that. But if I'm not mistaken, aren't the upper management people, uh, people that are that haven't come up from the bottom but uh, are through the ranks, they're people that are political uh, appointees? Well, that's correct in many circumstances. I mean, the governor of California appoints the director of the department and every single commissioner, and uh, presumably those people reflect uh, his administration's philosophy. So, I mean, the buck stops with uh, Governor Jerry Brown. Wow. And uh, so, so, you know, it's, yeah, it's really frustrating to the department. I know that there are, um, I talked to my friends uh, that are in the department, and there's 20, 20 guys that I know of that are going to retire this year because they're just tired of it. And, and you know, when you have HSUS as, you know, part of the department now, you know it's not going to go our way. Yeah, it, and, and, it does. And, and I think a prevailing criticism that you know Wendy's referencing to is that uh, they feel that a lot of the policies being set are dictated by politics and not science. You know, right. you can refer to the MPA, you can refer to the standards by which fish are stocked. I mean, there are lakes in California that have been stocked for hundreds of years or nearly hundreds of years, and uh, all of a sudden now these very same fish pose some environmental hazard. As a consequence, there's no fishing there. Marco, just briefly in the time that we have, uh, you know, another thing that's been batted around a lot is uh, uh, lead, lead in fishing tackle, lead in fishing gears, uh, you know, and all this. Uh, what's happening with uh, that uh, uh, that issue? Because 
I know, uh, you know, we could be adversely affected with uh, lead bans, too. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, I mean, this is another example of where politics leads and science follows. Um, the Department of Toxic Substance Control uh, announced last year that they're considering regulations and potential ban on any fishing uh, tackle that includes lead, zinc, copper, or any such metals. And uh, they can't cite any studies in California where it's posed a threat to the environment or to the public. Um, they cite studies from other countries and other states, and not recognizing that the state of California is very diverse. And so, yes, there may be areas where it makes sense to look at regulations, but to pass some blanket policy that uh, basically bans products um, would be short-sighted. And it, trust me, it will cost anglers up to 20% more for a lot of common equipment, and that's going to also uh, result in decline in fishing. So, uh, How do you ban is, products uh, that are on the, the periodic so, table? <laughs> I don't understand that. Yeah. Stan well, is saying, how do, you, how do you ban products that, uh, that uh, occur in nature uh, just as easily as the fishermen coming along and, and using uh, uh, lead weight or something? Yeah, the periodic tables you've got. Why don't we? You'd have to outlaw water and and air and you know lead and zinc. Those are all on the periodic tables. Then you're outlawing something that's on periodic tables just sounds insane. I don't know how you can do that. Right. Well, even if there was truth to this, here's the reality: is how did it make the top seven list of most dangerous products? Hey, Mark. Our waterways. I was I mean, think of all the agricultural and urban runoff. Why don't they start there? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Marco, I was there at the DTSC meeting when it was in Cyprus, and George was there also. And I sat there, I raised my hand, and I talked to them, and I said, you know, everybody in this room either drove here, has a computer, or has an iPhone. Not everyone in this room knows how to use a lead sinker or even uses a lead sinker. And I said, don't you think that some of those products should be on the top seven not lead fishing, and then I said, and and then I asked him. I said, so why is it that you're going after lead fishing tackle? And he says, well, and he made a he slipped. He did a Freudian slip, and he said, well, um, he was talking about lead in bullets. And I said, excuse me, but lead sinkers. I don't think that a duck or a an egret or a bird is going to swallow a one-pound sinker in the ocean or a half-ounce sinker in the ocean. Now, that okay, I can see small split shots in the lake or stream, but really? I mean, it's, it's just an excuse just to ban products. And where have they found that, though? I mean, where have they found ducks eating lead? Loons. Loons in Northern California and the condors. Uh, well, condors eat lead? Yeah, and that's and Wendy brings up a good point is that that has uh, been proven the case in other parts of the country, but the question is, where these loons exist in California, is there fishing in the same location? They don't know. Yeah. So they haven't conducted any studies. And our view is that under most regulations, you actually assess a potential environmental threat, you reach conclusions, and then you come up with ways to mitigate it. What they've done is the other way around. They're proposing an outright ban and have delivered, uh, provided no science. It's backwards. You know, hey, uh, just in closing, uh, I just want to say when you go to the ballot box, we are the people that are voting these people in to make these uh, these decisions on our behalf. 
And I got to tell you, when you get to the ballot box, make sure you do your research that the people that represent you are representing you the way you want to be represented. And, Marco, that leads me to the uh, uh, the California Sports Fishing League. How can we find out more about what you're doing uh, to keep you going, to represent us uh, uh, all throughout the state of California, and uh, to find out more just what's happening uh, uh, on our behalf? Well, go to our website, sportsfishingconservation.org. Again, sportfishingconservation.org. Everything we discussed today is on our website. Go to our Facebook page, like us. You'll get regular updates, but most importantly, as you underscore there, we will instruct you how to get involved in the political process. And um, you have to, we have to be a voice in the political process. Otherwise, yeah. we deserve what comes. As Wendy said, you do not want to be the lowest fruit hanging on the tree and get plucked off like that. And Marco... Thanks a lot for being with us. I, I know usually we, we try to be upbeat and uh, talk about all the great things that are happening out there in the sports fishing world, but there's a lot of things that are happening out there that can extremely affect our right to go out there and fish, and it, it's happening to our generation, and it's happening. These people are going because we want to protect the resource for the next generation, and what's going to happen out, there's not going to be any happening for the next generation, the way things are going. Thank you for having me on the show. All right. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we're going to take a break right now. Coming up next, the director of the 2016 Yellowtail Derby. It's just right around the corner. John Campbell is going to be with us. Stay tuned. There's more Rod and Reel Radio to come. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey, bass fishermen, who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the bass boat program that is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262 or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for BASSBOAT insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. My angler H2 Earth. Like the mighty flounder, I will keep one eye on the pole and the other watching for rogue waves. I'll save water by taking shorter showers and enthusiastically celebrate talk like a pirate day. Aye. I will chat up the locals before launching in unfamiliar waters. And I will always, always wear my life jacket. 
What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. And we do want to welcome you back to Rod Real Radio. Stan Vandenberg's with us tonight. Wendy has been calling us all the way from New Jersey. And, Wendy, I know you made a special effort to get to a phone to get in to be part of this conversation. And I know you got a lot on your plate. It's been a busy week. We want to thank you for being with us, and we look forward to you being with us next week. I will join you next week, and everyone have a nice week. And I'll well, wait a minute you before you go. How'd you do in your tournament? <laughs> uh, it was tough, Dan. I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> oh, you know, we'll hear about it next week then. <laughs> all right. Stan, it sounds like all three of us uh, yeah, just well, yeah. came up dry this week. <laughs> Same experience, all three. <laughs> hey, safe traveling, Wendy. We look forward to seeing you next week. All righty. Talk to you later. All right. Must have been something in the water. I don't know. <laughs> it couldn't have been us, Stan. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> hey, you know what? We have been talking about this event for the past couple of months. You know, it always seems like these dates are so far in the future. But you know what? The 2016 Yellowtail Derby is within days of kicking off, and we have the director of the Yellowtail Derby to tell us all about it, Mr. John Campbell. John, are you with us? I'm with you. Can you hear me? There's something going on with the radio. All right. Hey, Jorge, uh, Wendy uh, uh, hung up, so make sure that we close that line. And, John, we want to welcome you for being with us. We're, we're just days away from the kickoff. Tell, give us an update. What's happening? That's right. Yes, the... Actually, it's uh, we calling it now this year the Towboat U.S. Uh, Yellowtail Derby with the emergence of uh, Towboat U.S. coming in as a title sponsor this year. And uh, it's going to be 37 days this year. It starts April 30th through June 5th. And June 6th, we're having the, the awards at the Valley High. But uh, you're right. Uh, uh, boy, it's been, a, it's been a lot of fun. And thank you for all your advice and all your help and encouragement uh, this year. Wednesday, this Wednesday, the April 27th, will be the kickoff party and uh, seminar at the Valley High, uh, which uh, opens up at 6, and the uh, program will start at 6.30. And, John Cassidy, thank you again for, for being our perennial MC. Uh, I know everybody's happy with that because uh, a lot of times I get a little mixed up and confused and miss things, and you're right on. So I we'll always really appreciate your help. Well, everyone knows I'm so good with names, John, that they just keep on asking me to come back. <laughs> anyway, uh, Stan, uh, always good to talk to you, and you guys sound like you've had a good show. And um, what's going to happen on the Wednesday night is uh, we have uh, we have some, some some speakers. It's a seminar. I'll go over the rules and and uh, what's going on with the tournament this year. Again, we have uh, Yellowtail, of course, as a primary. Uh, fish and then white sea bass and halibut, and uh, so the three different ways to win, and you, know, you can win all three. But uh, it's, a, uh, it's a total uh, total recreational fisherman uh, tournament, local tournament. The boundaries are 12, 30 miles south of the point, 50 miles west, and the Orange County line. So it's a big big uh, area to fish in, and it's been a successful deal. Uh, you're not competing against uh, multi-day boats because everything has to be weighed in the same day. You can, although you can go out on open party boats, 
as uh, last year, we, the, the second place person in Yellowtail, uh, Katerina Eckert, came in second uh, on a boat out of uh, Point Loma Sport Fishing. And uh, so she's back in. She's ready to go. We've got a couple other hot ladies, Nancy Ortiz and, and another gal who just signed up at the uh, day at the dock. So it should be a really good uh, deal. Uh, by the way, uh, as of half an hour ago, we have 94 entrants. Uh, had a guy who was down at Ralph's uh, buying some things, and a guy called me and says, Can I still sign up? He said, Sure. Hey, we we've got to tell listeners uh, that started uh, yet, but sign up. Yeah, we got to tell yeah. listeners uh, that they can still sign up for this event, and if they don't do it online, coming uh, to the uh, uh, the launch party at the Bally High on uh, Wednesday, the twenty seventh, you can still get in then. Yes, you can. In fact, you can get in any time during the tournament. There's been years when, uh, four or five years ago, a teacher signed up for three days before the end of it, went out for three hours, caught the biggest fish, only went once. So, I mean, yep. and other people have signed up uh, later during the tournament as well. So, it's 30 You know, this days. year, because of the El Nino, more of my even freshwater guys are just friends, period. Have gone out and bought boats so that they can fish the saltwater, and then the conversations have been coming up on this, the Yellowtail Derby that they're talking about here. And, and the guys are going, "Well, how far north can they go?" I mean, we don't want to have to drive all the way down to San Diego. <laughs> I went, "Well, I don't make the rules, but you can go almost to San Diego and put it in the water and still be in the event. You just got to register." But you, what are your guidelines for? How far north can these guys go, and and uh, if they leave out of a, a, a marina, can they go further north and come back? Is it coast-wise to California? What's the well, deal? It, uh, I mean, Orange County anglers can leave out of Dana Point, you know, the Orange County line, you know, it's just just south of there. So uh, it's a uh, you know, once you once you're out in front of the uh, Dolly Parton, you're in uh, San Diego waters. So you got to stay inside or, or south of Orange County, basically. Yeah, Orange County line is the northern boundary, 15 miles west and 30 miles south of, of uh, Point Long. All right. So that's pretty, pretty uh, easy. That's a huge it's area, but some of these guys wanted to, to come out and try to, you know, jump in maybe. Take their boats and go out, but they were out, they all wanted to come up north further. I I don't think that's in the rules. Oh sure, we have it. It's, it would be kind of difficult. I mean, everybody, even Wendy Wendy Toshihara has told me for several years, you know, you know, make it all the way to Santa Barbara. Well, there's logistics in in uh, uh, keeping control over that huge area and uh, stuff. So we haven't got there yet. <laughs> and the original, the original Yellowtail Derby was the same boundaries, you know, and they had 100,000 anglers back in the day, which John Cassidy fished in. So he kind of remembers those, that, that time, and uh, it, was, it was six months long, from March till September, with, uh, with uh, uh, qualifying and run, uh, fish-offs. But uh, right now, uh, getting back to the uh, kickoff, uh, We've got Thomas, Thomas Aranda, uh, Cousins Pro Staff guy, who's going to be speaking about rods and, and the Yellowtail tactics. He's already caught some big fish this year. 
Bob Vanian of 976 Bites is going to be talking about where the fish are. Uh, Chris Randall, Captain Chris from the Chief, uh, he's going to come and uh, get everybody excited. He always revs up everybody. And Bob Catula will be there from Western Sports Association Group. Uh, so we have, we have a lot of fun. Uh, we've got you know, 94 competitors signed up and ready. Um, so anyone can uh, sign up online anytime during the tournament. They get at the oldtelderby.com. You know, and, uh, John, we also have to thank the hospitality of the Bally High for not only uh, uh, being our host for the uh, launch party, but also for the award ceremony, too. Who do we thank there? Larry Bauman. Yeah. And his family. Family Susan, and uh, he has uh, two sons that have been in the tournament every year, and I'm sure they'll be again this year, uh, Tommy and Andy. Tommy's the, uh, the manager at the Bally High Restaurant, and Andy is a manager at Tom Ham's Lighthouse. So uh, uh, they're both really, really dedicated fishermen, and they, they love to get out there and compete. All right. So also, we, yes. we will have a raffle there. And uh, it, it doesn't cost anybody, just people that are members of the, and, and entered into the tournament will get uh, tickets for this. And you're, we're going to be giving away bait certificates from Everingham Brothers. Uh, Tobo U.S. is going to give out you know, some of their special sweatshirts and other tees and things. Plus, everybody that's entered already will get their T-shirts. They've been printed up. The, the sponsor... Uh, you know, came aboard, and part of their deal, the, the title sponsor, was to provide T-shirts. And right. so they're, we're going to have T-shirts on Wednesday night, which oh. is a, always a always you know, a worry, but they've, they've got it done. So I'm, I'm just thrilled with them. Rob, Rob Butler and, and the, his whole group are just fantastic. All right. Hey, John, your uh, your signal with us is really deteriorating. So let's just end this here and tell us uh, if people want more information, where can they go to get the information about the Yellowtail Derby, get the entry forms, uh, find out what the schedule is, uh, what the categories are, and all that. Yes, uh, thank you, John. Uh, uh, International Yellowtail Derby or yellowtailderby.com online. You can get all the information on there. Everything will be up to date. I'll be sending out uh, uh, updates on the leaderboard almost daily during the 37 days. So uh, come on, come on, enjoy the, the fun, and uh, come on to the uh, to the uh, um, kickoff. Well, John, we not only want to thank all the great sponsors that you put together the sponsors event, but also you for your endeavor of putting this thing together because it wouldn't be happening without you. And I. I can't believe that at any one of these events that I've been to that you've put on, that everyone is just amazed with all of the great prizes and the giveaways and, and all that you have, and then the hospitality of the Bally High with the food and the sponsors being there with, uh, you know, especially uh, Ballast Point with uh, their product. It turns out to be uh, two great events. That's the launch party happening on Wednesday the 27th. And we want to remind you that the award ceremony will not be immediately following the uh, the end of uh, the uh, 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 the derby this year. It will actually take place the next day, 
6 p.m. at the Bali High. That's Monday. Uh, so, uh, you know, make June sure you 6th. be there and because it's worth coming to. And see who gets who's the, who's the winner and who will be weighed in to get their weight and ballast points. Uh, it's not pale ale anymore. It's gauche or something. I haven't figured out how to pronounce it, but <laughs> I've been in training and linguistics with them. So. Yeah, but, but we've uh, done a lot of training on the swallowing of it, haven't we? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, Thanks, John. Well, I appreciate it. Hey, we look forward to seeing you Wednesday night, and I look forward to meeting Kara Church, the uh, oh, Miss yes, Yellowtail Derby her. 2016. Yes, we're going to crown her that night. On, on Wednesday, we're going to crown her. I've got, we got the sash, got the tear, all the stuff, so it'll be fun as well. She'll be happy. All right, John. Thanks a lot for being with us. And, and everyone, make sure you go to yellowtailderby.com to get the latest, because with the yellowtail bite that's going to be happening between April 30th and June 5th, you don't want to miss the opportunity to get a fish registered for this event, because it's a heck of a lot of fun. Last year, Rick Maxa won that, and I don't know. He just got lucky. Uh, they were uh, uh, coming back from a fishing trip from La Jolla, and they were going along uh, uh, Mission, Bay. Uh, Mission Bay, and they uh, Rick happened to cast a jig out there in a bird school, and the next thing you know, what was it? It was like uh, a 42-pound 40 fish. 45. Oh, wow. 45-pound yellowtail. All right. That's lucky. <laughs> All right. Well, John, thanks a lot for being with us, and good luck. We'll see you uh, this Wednesday night. Thank you. Look forward to it, John. All the best. All right. Well, hey, Stan. another show gone. Hey, yeah. Stan, <laughs> that's it. Uh, we got to say good night. Good night. Hey, Stan, thanks a lot for being with us. We also want to thank uh, Jorge and the AM540 Studios, Ben Harvey for putting together all the, the local uh, material for us. And always in memory of Big Tuna Bill and Eddie McCune, we want to thank them for this legacy they've left us for the past. It's over 16 years now of Rod Real Radio. We've been continuously on the air. Thank you very much. But thank you, the listeners and our sponsors. Now go out there and get them. Let's go get some fish. They're out there. We'll see you on the water. Good night, everyone, till next Sunday night, starting at 5.05 p.m. on Rod Real Radio. We're out for now. Good night, everyone. Gone fishing. How real.